Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together, we can make a difference. The love is gone. The love is gone. The sweetest dream that you have ever known. The love is gone. The love is gone. I wish you well. I must leave you now alone. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug, there goes Mr. Grimm. Episode 185, The Muppet Christmas Carol. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know, the movies you don't. And a huge hi and a Christmassy welcome to Verbal Diorama. Whether you're a brand new listener to this podcast, whether you are a regular returning listener to this podcast, welcome back to Verbal Diorama if you are. Thank you for being here. Thank you for choosing this podcast out of all of the other Christmassy movie podcasts in this festive season. Thank you so much for coming to Verbal Diorama or coming back to Verbal Diorama. No matter how you found this podcast, I'm so happy to have you here because this episode is going to be on the history and legacy of one of my favourite Christmas movies of all time, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Christmas is coming. It's time to wrap up warm and it's time to stick a Christmas movie on. And there's so many Christmas movies out there. And to be honest, on this podcast, I've not historically covered very many Christmas movies, but that is changing this month because there's not very many Christmas movies that are better than Muppet Christmas Carol. Arguably, maybe Die Hard, but I'm not doing Die Hard this year on the podcast. So the Muppet Christmas Carol is your next best bet if you want a really good Christmas movie, especially if you want a really good family Christmas movie, because let's be honest, Die Hard is not particularly family friendly. But before I jump into The Muppet Christmas Carol, I just want to say, as always, a huge thank you to everyone who's listened to episodes this year of the podcast, first and foremost, because this year has just been phenomenal for Verbal Diorama. I'm so thrilled 
with everything that's happened this year. It's just been so amazing. The most recent episodes have also done incredibly well as well. So I brought out an episode on Batman Returns and then most recently on Edward Scissorhands. And as I've said in both of those episodes, I didn't mean to do double Tim Burton. It just kind of happened. But this is obviously going to be a break now from Tim Burton. And this is also the penultimate episode of Bubble Diorama for 2022. And I had to do it on one of the most joyous of Christmas movies, as well as proof, if any were necessary, that Muppets improve classic texts. See also Muppet Treasure Island. The Muppet Christmas Carol is officially, as far as this podcast is concerned, the best adaptation of A Christmas Carol. It contains the best version of Ebenezer Scrooge. And it does all of this with the classic cast of The Muppets, as well as using Dickens' own prose, importantly, and also it doesn't dumb down its horror roots for children, which is also incredibly important when you're taking on something like A Christmas Carol. And this movie should have been impossible to make, especially with the death of Jim Henson in 1990, but it wasn't, and still endures today, even more so actually than it did on its first release. So let's find out how. Here's the trailer for The Muppet Christmas Carol. Ah, humbug. He was the greediest man alive. It's Ebenezer Scrooge. Until the night he met someone extraordinary. Hello. The Muppet Christmas Carol. I'll drink to Mr. Scrooge. Even though he is odious and stingy and badly dressed. Humbug. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug, there goes Mr. Grin. Do you think it's safe for us to be up here? Ah! It's a game of prize for being me. The winner would be him. Yes, Mr. Cratchit. If you please, Mr. Scrooge. The bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire. We're assets of frozen. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly... It's Charles Dickens' classic tale, as only the Muppets can tell it. It's good to be heckling again. It's good to be doing anything again. Filled with holiday warmth. Hey, 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 like the lamp, not the rat, like the lamp, not the rat. And Christmas spirit. Jacob Marley. Scary stuff. Should we be worried about the kids in the audience? No, it's all right. This is culture. This is the movie to see, to share, to cherish with someone you love. Thank you for making me a part of this. Walt Disney Pictures presents, from Jim Henson Productions, The Muppet Christmas Carol. God bless us, everyone. Whatever. Join Charles Dickens himself as he and Rizzo the Rat narrate his classic tale of a rich, bitter man's Christmas redemption as Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present and the ghost of Christmas yet to come one Christmas Eve night to be held accountable for his mean ways. Let's run through the cast of this movie. So I'm going to split the cast into the human cast, the Muppet cast and also the Muppet performers as well. So the human cast consists of Michael Caine, of course, as Ebenezer Scrooge, Stephen McIntosh as Fred, Meredith Braun as Belle, Robin Weaver as Clara, 
and Jessica Fox as the ghost of Christmas past. But of course, we can't forget the Muppet cast because the Muppet cast is the most important cast in this movie. The great Gonzo stars as Charles Dickens, Rizzo the Rat as himself, Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit, Miss Piggy as Emily Cratchit, Waldorf as Robert Marley, Statler as Jacob Marley, Fuzzy Bear as Fuzzywig, Peter Frog as Peter Cratchit, and Robin the Frog as Tiny Tim. With the Muppet performers, we have Dave Goles as the Great Gonzo, Waldorf, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, and Bettina Cratchit, Steve Whitmire as Kermit the Frog, Rizzo the Rat, Beaker, Bean Bunny, and Belinda Cratchit, Frank Oz as Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, Sam Eagle, George the Janitor, and Animal, Jerry Nelson as Robin the Frog, New Zealand, Statler, Mar Bear, and the voice of the Ghost of Christmas Present, David Rudman as Peter Frog, Old Joe and the Swedish Chef. Louise Gold as Mrs Dilber. Karen Trell, Robert Tigner and William Todd Jones puppeteering The Ghost of Christmas Past. Don Austin in the suit as The Ghost of Christmas Present and The Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come. And Robert Tigner as The Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come puppeteering only. The Muppet Christmas Carol has a screenplay by Jerry Jewell was directed by Brian Henson and based on A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. The Marleys were dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. 178 years ago, Charles Dickens' novella A Christmas Carol, in prose, being a ghost story of Christmas, to give it its full title, was first published on the 19th of December 1843, the first edition of which sold out by Christmas Eve. Even back in the 19th century, counterfeiting was a thing and unsolicited copies of A Christmas Carol, as it was most commonly referred to, began to surface in January 1844. Dickens actually took legal action against the publishers of the counterfeit, but the publisher went bankrupt. And so his losses from the case meant smaller profits from the publication of A Christmas Carol than you might think. A Christmas Carol has never been out of print in 178 years, has been translated into several languages, and has had countless adaptations, over 150, actually, on stage, live action and animated films, television, radio adaptations, opera, ballet, graphic novels, as well as parodies and derivative works like Scrooge. There are also two video game adaptations, Mega Man Christmas Carol and Mega Man Christmas Carol 2. These are fan games where Mega Man gets his Christmas presents stolen and he must fight the ghosts from A Christmas Carol to get them back. No, I'm not making either of those up. The earliest adaptation was in February 1844, two months after its publication. It was a stage production running for 40 nights that was sanctioned by Dickens himself. Speaking of counterfeits, by the end of February, eight rival theatrical productions also playing of A Christmas Carol in London. And A Christmas Carol truly captured the mid-Victorian revival of celebrations of the Christmas holidays. Family gatherings, the giving and receiving of gifts, parties, seasonal food and drink, but most importantly to this story, the spirit of the season, and specifically focused on a man who has none of that, Ebenezer Scrooge. Reportedly, Ebenezer Scrooge was based on two notorious misers, John Elwes, an MP who assumed a vast fortune but refused to spend his wealth. His fortune was estimated at a total of £74 million in 2018 money, or Jemmy Wood, the owner of Gloucester Old Bank, who despite a total wealth of over £100 million in 2018 money, Wood refused to spend his own money 
but instead chose to spend the city of Gloucester's money as the mayor of the city between 1811 and 1813. Both of these men died with extreme wealth accumulated, but in the case of Jemmy Wood, his coffin was said to have been stoned. So pretty much everyone knows the story of A Christmas Carol. It's ubiquitous in pop culture. And like A Christmas Carol starts with stating the fact that Marley is dead, the story of The Muppet Christmas Carol also unfortunately starts with a death, that of the excellent and much missed Jim Henson. Jim Henson was, of course, the creator of The Muppets, producer of The Muppet Show, and the founder of the Jim Henson Company, the Jim Henson Foundation, and Jim Henson's Creature Shop. His death following bacterial pneumonia on the 16th of May 1990 came after he had entered negotiations with the Walt Disney Company, who wanted to buy his company for $150 million. This merger was cancelled following his death, and while the Muppet characters were sold to Disney in 2000, the Jim Henson Company is still controlled by Henson's children, Brian, Lisa, Cheryl and Heather, with Brian as the chairman and Lisa as the CEO. The Muppet Christmas Carol never started life as a movie, though. It was originally supposed to be a made-for-TV special. And by the early 1990s, it had been over six years since the Muppets had graced the big screen with the financially successful The Muppets Take Manhattan. And the idea for an adaptation of A Christmas Carol came from talent agent Bill Haber, who approached Brian Henson with the idea. And before Henson could decide, Haber called him back and said he had already sold the premise of A Christmas Carol with Muppets to the ABC TV channel. This basically meant that Brian Henson was effectively forced to adapt A Christmas Carol, while at the time still grieving the loss of his father, Jim. Nevertheless, Henson set to work on the script, which was originally very different. Robin the Frog would have been the ghost of Christmas past, Miss Piggy the ghost of Christmas present, and Animal as the ghost of Christmas yet to come. This was essentially going to be the typical parody that the Muppets were known for. Enter stage left, Jerry Jewell, head writer for The Muppet, and Jewell is the main reason why Kermit doesn't have the obvious lead role of Charles Dickens. Not only was he a huge fan of Gonzo, but Jim Henson's death affected how they dealt with Kermit. It's well known that Kermit and Jim Henson were very close, as close as two people could be. And Henson's death left a huge gaping hole in The Muppets, but specifically for Kermit. Steve Whitmire, who had worked with Henson since 1978, would go on to work with Kermit for several decades. But in order to give Whitmire the time to perfect that working relationship with Kermit, upgrading Gonzo to the Charles Dickens narrator role became logistically necessary, as well as the least obvious choice. And partnering him with Rizzo the Rat not only meant Dickens' actual prose could be used in the adaptation, which is a rarity for adaptations of A Christmas Carol, but also that comedy could be added into the movie without dumbing down the serious tone of the redemption arc of Scrooge. 95% of Gonzo's lines are taken directly from A Christmas Carol. Kermit would instead take the role of Scrooge's destitute but caring clerk, Bob Cratchit, Miss Piggy as his wife, Emily Cratchit. One of the things that Kermit says in the excellent DVD commentary for this movie is that Miss Piggy is his wife in the movie only, which makes me laugh. Fozzie Bear, there's Fozzywig. Surely Dickens knew to call the character Fezziwig so it would suit Fozzie in 1992. I'm just thinking, Charles Dickens was very ahead of his time. So clearly he knew that Fozzie the Bear was going to take on the Fezziwig role. So it was decided to scrap the existing known Muppets as the ghosts and instead create new Muppet characters to show this was a serious adaptation and didn't intend to undermine the ominous tone of the original story. 
When the script was finished, it was submitted to ABC, and Walt Disney executives loved it so much they offered to buy it to release it as a feature film instead. When it came to casting Scrooge originally, it was thought he could also be a Muppet, and reptilian blue phantom Uncle Deadly was the main contender. But once the Muppet Christmas Carol went from a parody to a deep, honest adaptation with Muppets, a human Scrooge was felt to ground the movie in some sort of reality. While several actors were considered, including David Hemmings, best known for 60s classics like Blow Up, Camelot and Barbarella, Ron Moody, who had Charles Dickens' adaptation experience, he was nominated for an Oscar in 1969 for portraying Fagan, Oliver, David Warner, best known to American audiences for his character work in Tron, Titanic and Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Also, George Carlin was up for the role as well, and he was obviously mainly known as a comedian. But Brian Hedson only wanted one man. He wanted someone with a huge star quality and celebrity, someone authentically British, and who could handle the gravitas of such an iconic, dramatic role. He met with Michael Caine. And Kane famously told him he would play the role utterly straight, as if it were for the Royal Shakespeare Company, and that he wasn't working with puppets. He got into the right frame of mind by studying real-life, headline-making villains of the late 1980s and early 1990s, Wall Street cheats and embezzlers, believing they represented a very good picture of meanness and greed. Kane intimidated Henson at first, but Michael Kane, national treasure that he is, was not only a complete delight to work with, he also loves this movie probably more than you do, probably more than I do, probably more than everyone does. In a 2016 interview with GQ, he relished telling stories of the production of his then seven-year-old daughter and him making a movie that she could see and of watching it now with his grandchildren and that The Muppet Christmas Carol is his favourite Muppet movie because it can never grow old, unlike him. That is his quote, not mine, because I do not think that Michael Caine is old. I love Michael Caine. So Brian Henson, still grieving his father at the time, was put in charge of a TV special that became a movie at just 28 years of age. He was quite rightly terrified of directing, so much so that he begged other people to direct it. But obviously he didn't manage to persuade anyone. He was eventually persuaded to do it by the love and faith of the larger Muppet family, especially Frank Oz, who offered invaluable help to guide the ship as an executive producer and other veteran performers of the Muppets as well, like Dave Goles and Steve Whitmire. Henson ended up being the ideal director for the Muppet Christmas Carol, not just because he was the son of their creator, but he also had previous experience on movies like Labyrinth, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and The Witches as a puppeteer and performer, and it had unwittingly shaped him to be the perfect heir to his father's Muppet legacy. It feels befitting that the son of Jim Henson takes on Jim Henson's most famous creation. But also, Brian Henson was no pushover. When it turned out that Disney were unrealistically expecting a full movie from little more than a TV budget, Henson almost pulled the plug rather than continue without the money that he needed. Luckily, Disney realised what a treasure this movie was and upped the budget accordingly. And like previous Muppet movies, The Muppet Christmas Carol would also include musical numbers. For the songs in The Muppet Christmas Carol, Brian Henson turned to Paul Williams, the writer of The Carpenters We've Only Just Begun and Barbara Streisand's Evergreen. Williams had worked on The Muppet Show and The Muppet Movie. He'd earned an Oscar nomination for Rainbow Connection, which is still my ringtone, by the way. 
and appeared as a guest during the Muppet Show's first season. He was basically one of the original Muppet music men. But Paul Williams had struggled with drug and alcohol addiction in the 1980s, and he'd entered rehab. Two months after becoming sober, his good friend Jib Henson then suddenly passed away. So if anyone could resonate with the fear of death and the redemption of Ebenezer Scrooge, it was Paul Williams. Williams advanced the plot with songs like Marley and Marley, in which the witty Statler and Waldorf, portraying the ghosts of Scrooge's former business partners, forewarn him of the nightmare he will face if he doesn't change his ways, as well as Kermit's upbeat number One More Sleep Till Christmas and the breakup ballad When Love Is Gone. I'm going to be coming back to that one. The songs It Feels Like Christmas, performed by the Ghost of Christmas Present, Bless Us All and Scrooge's Anthem of Redemption, Thankful Heart, were the expression of William's overflowing thankfulness and newfound optimism as sobriety and gratitude at being given another chance. This was also Michael Caine's first time singing on a project and the lovable flaws in his singing were the ideal fit for the newly modest Scrooge. Prior to the start of production in June 1992, the songs were pre-recorded at London's CTS Studios with Williams on hand to oversee the performances. Filming of The Muppet Christmas Carol took place over three months at Shepperton Studios here in the UK and it was a miraculous feat of filming magic with the puppeteers in removable floors and Michael Caine walking along narrow planks between them without looking down. Gonzo would go ahead to joke on the DVD commentary that they imported Michael Caine's introductory Dutch angles directly from Holland. It's also a feat of practical effects work, which is something that if you listen to this podcast regularly, you will know Verbal Diorama loves practical effects work. And this practical effects work was all state-of-the-art at the time. It still looks magnificent today. All of the models used to represent the London roofs in the opening titles, they stood about three feet tall. Crew members moved other buildings into the frame while the camera retracted to create the illusion that the camera was travelling through the rooftops. In that opening scene, the set at Shepperton was large, but appears larger because the background buildings were artificially made to appear much longer in order to create the illusion of a long street. Later in the movie, the ghost of Christmas present sings It Feels Like Christmas, and the song closes with a soaring crane shot with the small buildings visible in the background. When you're working with Muppets, some of the simplest looking images are often the most challenging to pull off. When Kermit blows out a candle, it looks simple enough, but since Muppets can't actually breathe, you have to time when Kermit puckers his lips and makes the blowing action before shooting an air pistol into the flame. Henson would also claim that the close-up of Kermit closing the door at Scrooge's office was the most challenging shot in the entire movie. There was also a lot of optical work as well. The ice, when the penguins are skating, was optically matted into the shot to make them appear like they were skating on ice. The individual ghosts were all filmed very differently. So the ghost of Christmas past was a rod puppet that was immersed in a tank of baby oil. The large amount of baby oil, however, proved to be ridiculously expensive. So the majority of the shots were done in a water tank. And this produced the soft flowing impression of the robes but the water reacted with the glue and paint on the puppet, which would lead to issues with the puppet. But luckily, they managed to get all of the shots they needed before the puppet broke down. Originally, the Ghost of Christmas present was supposed to be huge throughout his scenes, but Henson soon realised it would be a logistical nightmare to shoot him like this. And he really only wanted the enormous face coming around the corner during his introduction. And so he shrunk the character down to human size by shooting him against a blue screen and tracking backwards with the camera. 
The original It Feels Like Christmas song, sung by the Ghost of Christmas Present, featured him and Scrooge flying around the world, including a visit to the Arctic with igloos, but Henson realised they simply couldn't afford to shoot that, so they made it a simple but effective street song. The Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come was originally conceived as a comedic character, and it was once suggested that maybe Gonzo could be the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come, with his nose pointing out of his hood. The decision was made to keep the serious, dramatic and scary nature of the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come by essentially not having a face at all. And this is important because this is the moment that Scrooge finally breaks down and realises the error of his ways. Boy, that's scary stuff. Should we be worried about the kids in the audience? Nah, it's alright. This is culture. In a movie full of so many perfectly puppeteered and choreographed scenes, my favourite is the scene in which Kermit's walking down the street singing with Robin on his shoulder. It's perfect because it's simple, but it was actually incredibly technical. It needed 10 puppeteers moving Kermit and Robin, shooting against a blue screen because obviously you can't use green with Kermit. Kermit is walking on a rotating drum covered in fake snow to achieve the effect of movement. It was important to show contact between Kermit's feet and the ground to show realism for this puppet walking. In post-production, a moving London street was added to the background. And if you think about it, having a full-figured Muppet walking might seem commonplace nowadays, but this was the money shot of the movie. It was supposed to invoke the same sort of awe you felt as seeing Kermit ride a bicycle for the first time in the Muppet movie. It is a terrific shot and it still looks fantastic today. And I love this movie for so many things. I love this movie because it just fills me with so much joy, but I also love it just for how wonderfully technical this movie is. If you really think about how they made this movie, you'll wonder why they even bothered to make it in the first place because it genuinely is an absolute miracle that this movie is as brilliant as it is. And one of the things you might not realise actually about The Muppet Christmas Carol is its historical accuracy when it comes to its late 1800s costuming. The costume department, led by Anne Hollywood and Polly Smith, expertly tailored layers of clothing for both the human and Muppet characters with a dizzying array of detail and accuracy. There's a YouTube video by dress historian Abby Cox, which goes into the details of just how brilliant the costuming is in this movie and how she feels it should have been nominated for an Oscar. It's that good, in her opinion. I'll put a link in the show notes to Abby's video, but she specifically highlights the layers of period-accurate clothing for characters like Gonzo and Rizzo, who actually have multiple costume changes throughout the movie, which is something that you don't realise when you watch this movie. But re-watch this movie and see how many times Gonzo and Rizzo have a change of clothing, and how these women and their team of costume designers would have made tiny little historically accurate clothing for Muppets. Going back to Paul Williams and Brian Henson, one of the main setbacks for them was the song When Love Is Gone, when it was removed from the theatrical release at the request of Jeffrey Katzenberg. Meredith Braun, who played Belle and sang the song, explained that they reasoned that it would slow down the action for five-year-old. As Kane Scrooge helplessly observes his younger self lose the love of his life through his own greed and selfishness, and this is a vital and in some ways linchpin scene, which makes the conclusion of When Love Is Found a little less poetic. Confusingly, the sequence was included in later home video versions, but it's missing from the most recent Blu-ray. 
Henson claimed that the print had been destroyed, and for years, Disney claimed it was lost forever. In mid-December 2020, Brian Henson announced that the original negatives for the removed scene had been found in the Disney vault and would be reinstated back into the film in time for its 30th anniversary, which is now, by the way, as of this episode coming out. This episode is due out on the Thursday. The Sunday just gone, as of this episode is released, is the 30th anniversary of The Muppet Christmas Carol. And for this 30th anniversary, the song has been restored onto the version on Disney+, Plus, which also controversially had the Muppet rods removed at considerable unnecessary cost. And this has been a Disney policy since 2000. I'd argue you don't need erased rods to fully believe in the Muppets as complete and total characters in their own right, but it's Disney's money to burn, I guess. The Muppet Christmas Carol is ultimately a story about redemption and finding a family. It would appear, though, that behind the scenes at the Muppets post the death of Jim Henson, things weren't always rosy. Steve Whitmire, who had taken over the role of Kermit from Jim Henson, reportedly started to make outrageous demands, act unprofessionally and refuse to train and understudy for Kermit, which started to become a problem when Whitmire would refuse to attend certain events as Kermit. In 2017, Whitmire was fired from the role and Matt Vogel, who played Kermit's doppelganger Constantine in Muppets Most Wanted, ironically, became the new performer for Kermit. Whitmire had been working with Kermit for over 25 years at that point and he refused to go quietly, claiming he was working to safeguard the core values of Jim Henson's beloved characters. But like most things, there are always two sides to every story. A spokesperson for the Muppets studio told The Hollywood Reporter in 2017, The role of Kermit the Frog is an iconic one that is beloved by fans and we take our responsibility to protect the integrity of that character very seriously. We raised concerns about Steve's repeated unacceptable business conduct over a period of many years and he consistently failed to address the feedback. The decision to part ways was a difficult one and was made in consultation with the Henson family and has their full support. But one man with no unacceptable business conduct is Keanu Reeves. And it's a really good time to segue into the obligatory Keanu reference for this episode. And if you don't know what that is, it is a part of this podcast where I try to link the movie that I'm featuring with Keanu Reeves for no reason other than Keanu is the anti-Scrooge. He is so not Scrooge that he makes everyone look like Scrooge in comparison. And also because he's a genuinely fine man. But... This week's obligatory Keanu reference was really simple when I thought about it because when I was looking at who was under consideration for the role of Ebenezer Scrooge, obviously George Carlin was considered for that role, the role that went to Michael Caine eventually. Carlin is probably most well-known to millennials as Rufus in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and who played Ted Theodore Logan again? Oh, it was Keanu Reeves. So there we go. That's the obligatory Keanu reference for this episode. So I have talked about the music actually quite extensively already, but I did just want to talk about some songs that actually ended up being cut before the movie came out. Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker pop in on Scrooge seeking donations for the poor. And their plea originally included a song called Room in Your Heart. Similarly, Sam Eagle, playing a young Scrooge's headmaster, had a song called Chairman of the Board. Both were recorded, but cut from the script before their performances were shot, as neither added much to the story's exposition. They do, however, show up on the film's soundtrack. 
And when it came to the release of The Muppet Christmas Carol, it was released in the US on the 11th of December 1992. As I said, pretty much 30 years to the day of this episode being released. It was given Disney's widest release of the holiday season. And sorry to bring up another Dickens novel, but they had great expectations for The Muppet Christmas Carol to dominate the 1992 Christmas box office. But it didn't happen. And there's several reasons for this. Because like last episode's Edward Scissorhands suffering at the release of Home Alone, this movie suffered from the release of Home Alone 2 Lost in New York, as well as other releases at the time like The Bodyguard and Disney's own Aladdin as well. The Muppet Christmas Carol ended up opening at number six at the US box office. It stayed there for a further week and then it eventually quickly dropped out of the top ten. On a budget of $12 million, The Muppet Christmas Carol would gross $27.3 million, which was considered a slight financial disappointment at the time, and that was mostly due to Disney expecting it to perform way better. It didn't flop, but it did unfortunately suffer at the hands of critics. Critics like Janet Maslin of the New York Times, she said it was not a great show of wit or tunefulness. She called it a lively kiddie version of Dickens, and stated it was one that very young viewers would understand. Roger Ebert would give it praise, but Dave Kerr of the Chicago Tribune called it talky and plodding. And it's interesting because this is a movie that's now retrospectively seen as one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made. And I think nostalgia goggles are strong on this movie, but I think this movie holds up so much better than many of its Christmas peers, especially 90s Christmas movies. It currently has a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, which seems criminal, actually, if you think about how brilliant this movie is and how special this movie is. But yeah, that's just Rotten Tomatoes for you, I guess. That's 76% of people giving it a three out of five stars or above. So there is no sequel to The Muppet Christmas Carol, but The Muppets would go on to star in Muppet Treasure Island in 1996, then Muppets in Space in 1999, the Muppets, which I've done an episode on in 2011, and Muppets Most Wanted in 2014. They also had a TV show on ABC called The Muppets that lasted 16 episodes. A Disney Plus show called Muppets Now lasted one season. If you travel to Walt Disney World, you can find The Muppets at multiple theme parks, in Muppet Vision 3D at Disney Hollywood Studios, in the Muppet Mobile Lab at Epcot, and in The Muppet Presents Great Moments in American History a live show at the Magic Kingdom's Liberty Square. You can also find The Muppets on their YouTube channel as well. But otherwise, Disney seemed to be ignoring The Muppets cinematically, and any possibility of reigniting a Muppet-based movie franchise seems to be permanently on hold. Muppets Live Another Day was a proposed Muppet series for Disney+, Plus, which was cancelled. There's a new TV series coming in 2023 called The Muppets Mayhem, as well as last year's Muppets Haunted Mansion, which was a TV movie on Disney+. Plus, So it seems like, as with most Disney properties at the moment, Disney+, Plus seems to be the way forward for the Muppets. Let's move over to some social media thoughts. So I like to ask on Patreon and all over social media what people think of the movies that I'm featuring. And we're going to start with the patrons, because we have a lot of patron thoughts to go through. And we're going to start with Laurel. And Laurel says, This is an extraordinary adaptation of the classic. It captures the incredible humour of Dickens' narration through Gonzo, the spooky yet cosy and heartwarming atmosphere of the novel, and the emotional impact of Scrooge's story. 
Michael Caine, in the greatest role of his career, playing it absolutely straight against Fuzzy Bear, Kermit the Frog and Bean Bunny, a beloved holiday tradition in our house and a beautiful reminder of the blessings of the season. It seems wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. Laurel with her husband Derek, they host the terrific podcast, The Midnight Myth. It's one of my favourite podcasts. I learn so much from their podcast every single time I listen. I'll put some information in the show notes for The Midnight Myth. We have a patron comment from Nicholas who says, Still one of the greatest Christmas films and adaptations of the story, just full of joy from start to finish. I love how it plays the story straight apart from Gonzo and Rizzo. Michael Caine giving an excellent performance as Scrooge. So we have a double geek salad comment here. So we're going to start with Mike. And Mike says, Absolutely one of my favourite Christmas movies and possibly even my favourite version of A Christmas Carol. Having Gonzo in the narrator role, aka Charles Dickens, allows them to put actual quotes from the book into the movie, something most other adaptations don't have. Thusly, this is probably one of the more faithful tellings of the story. Plus, his chemistry with Rizzo is one of the great charms of this movie. Michael Caine is still one of the best Ebenezers to ever grace the screen, playing the role with all the seriousness and gravitas of a Royal Shakespeare Company production, despite playing off the Muppets. And be sure to check out the newly restored version which brings back when love is gone. The movie felt really incomplete without it. And perennial commenter Andy says, So very much of a faithful telling of the Dickens tale while still remaining 100% a Muppet movie. A film that allows Kermit and Piggy to stay in the background and really let Gonzo and Rizzo shine in their roles as Charles Dickens and being there for the food. It is driving me nuts that I still need to wait another week before I watch this again, only so I can watch it with the restored The Love Is Gone. Honestly, it might make an almost perfect movie even more perfect now that The Love Is Found a reprise will still remain in the film. Kudos to Brian Henson for having hit a bullseye in The Muppets' first outing since the death of Jim Henson. Mike and Andy are both hosts of Geek Salad. It is the one and only geek podcast for all of your geeky, nerdy needs. I will put information in the show notes for their podcast. Please make sure you take a listen. We also have a patron comment from Pete who says, Probably the definitive Christmas carol rendition for my generation or anyone who has a spark of their childhood still alive. Kane is overqualified for what this should have been, which elevated the whole affair to what has become something so special to so many. Also, Tiny Tim is so damn cute. Pete hosts the podcast Middle Class Film Class with Joseph and Tyler. It is a weekly movie news and reviews podcast. So if that's your thing, then make sure you check out Middle Class Film Class. I will put information in the show notes for them. We have another patron comment from Brendan who says, The Muppets fully weaponising the anyone mean to Muppets is a bad person role with an actor who's so sharply charismatic that you desperately crave the inevitable turn. The Muppet Christmas Carol is the gold standard for both Dickens adaptations and essential holiday canon. And the final patron comment comes from Ian, who says, My absolute favourite Christmas film. I've watched it every year since it came out, and so glad the full version is available again. Moving over to Twitter, and there's so many comments on Twitter, and also on Instagram, and actually on Facebook. There's a couple as well, so we've got quite a lot to go through. So we're going to start with at Nobody Asked For Pod, who said, It's the best adaptation of A Christmas Carol, and a must-watch over Christmas. Absolutely love Michael Caine refusing to treat the Muppets with the absurdity a lot of people would. At AMPP said, 
One of my genuine top three Christmas movies, a real feel-good, and Rizzo is a gem. A question for you, when Beacon leaves after Scrooge kicks them out, does he give him a stern pointing at, or is he flipping the bird? I would assume he's giving them a stern pointing at, because I don't think the Muppets know how to flip the bird. But anyway, at RJ underscore Southworth said, One of my favourite Christmas films, and at least in the top three Christmas Carol adaptations, combines the humour of the Muppets with the spirit of the original story perfectly and has some excellent songs to boot. At the Cat Film Fan said, It's my favourite Christmas film. I have to watch it every year. The songs are perfect and it's funny in a way so many modern films fail to get. If you don't like this film, you have no soul. Everyone has their own favourite line or moment. Cheeses for us Mises is mine. At Crooked Table said, Probably my favourite adaptation of Dickens' tale, my runner-up for best Muppet movie, and a perennial classic that earns its spot as a holiday tradition. I was fortunate enough to spend an hour heaping praise on it with at MSML Roberts this year on my Franchise Detours podcast. At Pub Quiz SG said, My favourite version of A Christmas Carol, the songs are great and Michael Caine is a brilliant Scrooge. At Giles underscore Goth says, I adore The Muppets Christmas Carol. My friend John and I have a tradition of watching it every year. When we covered it in At God in Film Pod, we were blown away by how much Dickens has shaped our view of modern Christmas. At Top 10 Pod said, It's Pav here. Till last year, I hadn't seen it. It then ended up in my Top 10 Christmas Movies of All Time list. At SDD Film Podcast said, Joint favourite adaptation alongside Scrooge for me. Watch them both every year. There's not been a Muppet movie that comes close to surpassing it. At the set that film said, Whenever a Christmas Carol is brought up, this is the first one to come to mind for me. This movie has so much heart, along with the amazing music, classic Muppet performances, and Michael Caine bringing us the greatest Scrooge ever put on film. It's a staple for this time of year. At Trot wrote this, said, Instantly makes it Christmas for me. The version with When Love is Gone is supreme, though. The kid in the band who gets smacked in the face by his bandmate always makes me wet myself. At Andy Williams 250 said, The Muppets have never been better and a top tier Christmas movie. Up there in terms of favourite films as well as just Christmas movies. Love, love, love and remember to keep some cheeses for some Mises. At Ever Trending Pod said, A Christmas movie with scary moments, plenty of heart and some of that classic Muppet comedy in it with some awesome music. What's not to love? Michael Caine kills it as well. Wonderful movie. At Bricked Pit said, I miss these Muppet movies. It's a pretty faithful adaptation with some fun songs, always in the holiday rotation. At Launching Tea Pilot said, and the song has been restored to it. At Paul Klein U said, Definitive version of the story in my opinion. Caine's Scrooge isn't one note. You see flashes of his wit and charm at the start. So when he starts to change, it isn't immediate. It's a thawing of his exterior. Also, Kane's smile lights up a room. At aka Jeanette said, My favourite version of this story. At Liam H. Dempsey says, It's the best adaptation of A Christmas Carol. It's the best Muppet movie and one of the best Christmas movies and just movies of all time. At Betamax Pod said, Never seen it. And I hope you'll be rectifying that this year. At Psycho Cinematic said, We had our own ep on this last year. Love the wholesomeness of the movie. Have some problems with the story itself and how it translates today, particularly the disability tropes. At Titanic Talkline said, 
not just a delightful holiday movie, it's an overall delight of a film. Michael Caine is sublime, and anyone who disagrees ought to be visited by three ghosts. Moving over to Instagram, we have at We Needed Roads, who said, Freaking love this film. It's the go-to Christmas movie every year. I'm not even a fan of the Muppets. Don't really like anything else from them, aside from Treasure Island. This is something special. Also, the first ghost totally gave me nightmares as a kid. At Contrarian Prime said, I love it, but it's so weird seeing Michael Caine playing it 100% straight, like nobody told him he was in a Muppet movie, while Rizzo and Gonzo are in full Muppet mode. At SP underscore film viewers said, It's runner-up to what is our family's go-to adaptation of A Christmas Carol, that being the TV version with Patrick Stewart. However, I do love The Muppets, and it's interesting seeing how most of the main staples are put into Dickens' roles, and the songs are great. At When Harry Met Movies said, I feel if I comment enough on your post, you may realise how much this film means to us. It never feels like Christmas till this has been watched. At Dave underscore J underscore Banff said, So we watched this the other day, and it is full of Christmas whimsy. I adore the Muppets. Gonzo and Rizzo as the narrators are perfect. Being honest, this isn't my favourite adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Miss Piggy is underused, but I think that's due to the constraints of the story. The ghosts are great, and the ghost of Christmas future is still scary to this day. A Christmas staple for sure, though I'm not a fan of Michael Caine as Scrooge, but maybe that's because I'm not a fan of Michael Caine. At Friendly Sparpod said, Out of all the many adaptations of the Christmas Carol story, the Muppets version is by far the best, as your semi-viral tweet would agree. Possibly Michael Caine's best performance of his whole career as well. Oh, and please talk about the cut song between young Scrooge and his love. That's my absolute favourite. Moving over to Facebook, we're going to start with Vicky. And Vicky says, My favourite Christmas film ever. It's just so good, especially the way Michael Caine plays it completely straight. Tony says, An iconic classic adaptation of the classic story by Charles Dickens. Gonzo and Rizzo as narrators and running commentaries keep younger watchers involved. Older viewers can enjoy the story and the amazing performance of Michael Caine. Personally, I enjoy the Marley twins portrayed by Statner and Waldorf. Always a worthy holiday movie. And Eric says, A Christmas classic and the first Muppet movie I ever watched. Michael Caine is an excellent Scrooge and the Muppets are perfectly cast in each of their roles. Also love the music as well. And in a first for this podcast, I believe this is the first time this has ever happened actually got a comment on email. Now this is because this person doesn't actually have social media but they sent me an email and so I'm going to read out the first ever email comment and that comment comes from Shed and they say happy holidays to you Em and the listeners. It's not Christmas without at least one watch of this film. Muppets Christmas Carol has been a part of my yearly traditions since being shown it on VHS as a wee sprog. Casting Kane as Scrooge is a perfect choice as he brings his A-game, starting off so genuinely cold and callous before warming up and being so full of heart. The casting across the board is pretty excellent to be fair. It would have been so easy to just say, Kermit is Scrooge and Piggy is one of the ghosts, but instead they looked at the book and chose characters based on their personalities excellently. Gonzo and Rizzo make a perfect storytelling device, making what could have been a dull film into one full of jokes, Good fourth wall breaks and plain old fun. By the way, Em, watch Chef and also Phantom of the Paradise. It's got Paul Williams songs. Now, Shed and I have spoken 
And I will be watching Chef and I also will be watching Phantom of the Paradise because clearly Paul Williams, he's a great songwriter. So yes, I will be watching both of those movies over Christmas. And thank you very much, Shed, for your comment on email. And thank you to everyone, to the patrons, to everyone on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook for your comments. Amazing comments on The Muppet Christmas Carol. So many comments on The Muppet Christmas Carol. This has been amazing. It's a Christmas miracle. But to be honest, the movie speaks for itself and everyone loves The Muppet Christmas Carol. There is no one who doesn't love this movie. I don't think in the world. It's so special. It's such a wonderful movie. And just thank you so much to everyone for your comments on The Muppet Christmas Carol. Grief and addiction are rarely the foundations of a Christmas family movie staple. And yet, here they are, in full view, in a movie that has the perfect Scrooge. It is the perfect adaptation of A Christmas Carol, and it is a perfect Christmas movie, as well as the first Muppet movie made without Jim Henson. This is, for all purposes, a family movie. But like most family movies of the 80s and 90s, it doesn't shy away from themes of death regret and the fear of growing old and many including myself call this the best adaptation of a christmas carol and i think for me it's because it maintains the integrity of dickens original text without dumbing it down for children it trusts the emotional intelligence of children and it doesn't coddle them either it has scary scenes because these ghosts are supposed to scare scrooge into realizing the errors of his ways he's never going to do that if Casper the Friendly Ghost is advising him. And one of the most brilliant things that I found out when I was looking into this movie was that Brian Henson actually credits the British audience with building the legacy of The Muppet Christmas Carol. In an interview with the BBC this year for the 30th anniversary, he said, the following year after its release, when it was sold on videotape, so many people watched it in the UK, it broke all sorts of records. It was a small screen hit. It was the British that really forced the reintroduction of the film to the American market. Now, every year, the audience just gets bigger and bigger too. As a British lover of this movie, just gives me a small sense of pride to know that it was the British that basically made this movie a movie that is loved across the world at Christmas. With Brian Henson in charge, there was a clear sense of hope supporting the entire process. With his father's influence felt at every turn, The Muppet Christmas Carol's production at moments resembled therapy for those involved, despite the fact that they were painfully mourning Jim Henson at the time. Every holiday rewatch and holiday rerun 30 years later makes it evident how much love went into the creation of The Muppet Christmas Carol. The narrative itself is equally significant and moving as ever, and it's basically all about treating others the way you would like to be treated. The movie served as evidence for all of us that the Muppets could continue without Jim Henson, that the creative team would be okay, and that the Muppets would also be okay. The Muppet Christmas Carol is dedicated to the memory of Jim Henson and Richard Hunt. Hunt was best known as the voice of Scooter. Together, Hunt and Henson performed the characters of Statler and Waldorf, and Richard Hunt died of AIDS-related complications in early 1992. While it might just put the Muppet Christmas Carol on to appear as children over the festive period, it means more than that. Next time you watch, check out those beautifully decorated outfits, as well as those just immaculately performed practical effects that just go to make this movie 
completely joyous and magical at this time of year. Christmas as a season isn't immune to death or grief. But if something as wonderful as the Muppet Christmas Carol can come from those things, surely it has to give anyone currently struggling with the loss of loved ones or the midst of addiction hope that things can get better. Maybe you'll watch it less dry-eyed than you normally would. Everyone deserves a second chance. Everyone deserves love. And great things can come from terrible times. This very podcast is proof of that. And just on this podcast, it's in the singing of a street corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. It's true wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. Thank you for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on The Muppet Christmas Carol. And if you want to get involved and you want to help this podcast grow, and you have in your thousands this year helped this podcast grow, thank you so much. But if you want to continue to do so, you can leave a five-star rating or review wherever you found this podcast. You can tell your friends and family about this podcast, or you can go on social media. I am at Verbal Diorama on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Letterboxd, Hive and Mastodon. And you can retweet and like and follow and all of that cool stuff on social media too. That also helps. And if you like this episode on The Muppet Christmas Carol, you might also like the following movies slash episode. So, of course, I'm going to recommend episode 49, which is on The Muppets. It was a slightly different episode in that I kind of worked the episode around the reality of the Muppets, which I haven't really done this episode. And that's really because I thought about it. And I was like, how am I going to talk really about the practical effects of a Muppet Christmas Carol, which I love so much, while also claiming that Kermit is real? That's not really going to work. So I've kind of done it a little bit differently, but I really enjoy talking about the Muppets, the movie from 2011. It is a wonderful movie. It, again, brings me so much joy. I love Amy Adams, as you all know, if you listen to this podcast regularly, how much I love Amy Adams. And Jason Segel is also wonderful in that movie as well. So if you haven't seen The Muppets, go on Disney+, Plus, watch, listen to that episode. So much fun, joyous, wonderful. And I also wanted to recommend episode 110, Labyrinth, because that was obviously another Jim Henson production. Brian Henson was very involved, as I said, in Labyrinth. And honestly, it's just one of the greatest movies that I think has ever come out of cinema just generally. I love Labyrinth. It was actually an episode that I did for my birthday. And birthday episodes tend to be reserved for movies that I love. And that should tell you everything you need to know about how I feel about Labyrinth. I think it's absolutely incredible. It still holds up. The effects are amazing. David Bowie is amazing. His trousers are amazing. <laughs> Everything about Labyrinth is incredible. So if you've never seen Labyrinth, please go and find it. I'm not sure where it's streaming, but please go and find it and watch that movie. Because if you like the practical effects in this movie, then you're going to love what you get in Labyrinth. The puppet work in Labyrinth is incredible. The puppet work here is incredible as well. I haven't even really talked about the puppet work in The Muppet Christmas Carol, but it's incredible. It's amazing. Some scenes, I still don't know how they did it. And it just blows my mind completely. Give me feedback on my recommendations. Let me know what you thought. So the final episode of 2022 is the next episode of this podcast. And we're going to be circling back to Tim Burton. Kind of. So he didn't direct this movie, but he did produce it. And technically his name is in the movie as well. Animation season starts early. 
this time around because animation season is normally January, February, but I've decided to extend it into December for the first time officially. So it's officially starting at the end of December with The Nightmare Before Christmas or Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, which is actually directed by Henry Sellett, by the way. And that's a great Christmas quiz question. You want one that's going to stump a lot of people. Who directed The Nightmare Before Christmas is guaranteed to stump people. Not listeners of Verbal Diorama. No, no, no. Because you now know that The Nightmare Before Christmas is directed by Henry Selick. But The Nightmare Before Christmas is a fascinating story of full length, stop motion, coming to life. You know how much I love stop motion. You know how much I love animation on this podcast. So please join me next week for Henry Selick's Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. And it's going to be out just before Christmas as well. Do you want to support this podcast? Well, you are just by listening. So congratulations to you. You are a supporter of this podcast. And that's all you need to do. That's it. You don't need to do any more than that. But if you do want to support the show financially, you can. You can go to verbaldiorama.com slash Patreon. You can join the amazing patrons of this podcast. Simon E, Sade, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel, Derek, Vern, Kristen, Kat, Andy, Mike, Griff, Luke, Emily, Michael, Scott, Brendan, Ian, Lisa, Sam, Will, Jack, Dave, Chris, Stuart, Sonny, Drew, Nicholas, Zoe, Kev, Pete, Heather, Danny, Ali, Tyler, and brand new patron, Jonathan. Welcome. Jonathan, to the patrons of Verbal Diorama. We are so happy to have you with us and so happy that you joined us for Christmas. So thank you so much to all of the patrons. Thank you to Jonathan for joining in. And always remember, patrons, light the lamp, not the rat. That's very important. You can check out my merch store. It's verbaldiorama.com slash merch. You can email me at verbaldiorama at gmail.com. You can say hi. You can give me suggestions. You can give me feedback. You can also give feedback at verbaldiorama.com as well. And you can also say hi to me, sort of, at filmstories.co.uk. Can't actually say hi to me, but you can check out the magazine that I write for and the articles that I write online as well. And if you're going to start an episode with When Love Is Gone, you have to end it with this. The love we found the love we found We carry with us So we're never quite alone Oh, thanks. If you like this, you should read the book. Bye.